Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Best Seller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Gary McGrath. He is the author of A CEO's Journey, The Seven Steps of Intentional Leadership, Making Good Bosses into Great Leaders. It's great to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Taryn. Good to be here. I should say Dr. Gary. Dr. Gary, I go by that because I got my doctorate later in life. And when I finished my engineering degree in college, I said, I'm never going back to school because I was kind of burned out. <laughs> right. And But I found out later on that I'm actually a lifelong learner. So I loved to go back to school, got my master's, got my doctorate uh, wow. in my 50s. Yeah. That's incredible. It's never never too late. A lot of Never too think. late. This is your second book? It is. Great, great. And the first one was on leadership as well? The first was on sales leadership. It was kind of a how-to book. But this one is more all-encompassing to leadership specifically, yeah. Okay, well, the title is A CEO's Journey. Is this your journey? Um, partly, yes. I think that every book has a part of the author in it, no matter what it is. Um, and... This particular journey is because most CEOs are challenged in the work that they do every day and leading an organization. And the, the biggest thing I think is that they're all alone. They're by themselves. Mm. So uh, it's really hard for them to find people to confide in and work with. And we all uh, need somebody to talk to. And this book is about uh, a CEO that really struggles in, in that journey and hires a coach to help him. And uh, it's something that uh, is becoming a lot more popular now, but it's been around a long time. Right. And I, I just think CEOs and executives should always consider and can understand how two heads are always better than one. We say that and then we don't live it. Right. Because we should say the book is sort of laid out in this scenario between Karen and Paul. Karen and Karen's and Paul the coach. Is, Karen's the coach, somebody that Paul had worked for in the past. Uh, it's really interesting because it, it's positioned where he's struggling with everything with his job, with his family, with his kids. He's struggling with everything and doesn't know where to turn. And went back into his history and Karen was somebody he had worked with in the past and uh, somebody he trusted and called her up and said, help. Yeah, SOS. But that said, you bring up a good point. How do you go about finding a coach? I mean, he'd worked with Karen in the past, but what if you've never worked with someone in the past you trust? Where do you begin? There are coaches everywhere nowadays, but typically I think that if you just ask around and ask other CEOs who you're working with, um, those kinds of personal referrals are probably the best way to find a good coach. Mm-hmm. Right. And before we get into the seven steps, tell us a little bit more about your background, your professional background. I got an ROTC scholarship at the University of Connecticut and got an engineering degree in mechanical and metallurgical engineering and went right into the Army. And uh, when I was uh, 25 years old, I had the first opportunity to actually command a unit of 120 soldiers. Wow. So uh, with three older brothers that were in the military... Uh, all enlisted, and I was the first that went into the military as an officer, 
they made it very clear to me, listen to your non-commissioned officers. So I kept my mouth shut mm. and I listened to these very experienced uh, sergeants and had a pretty successful career. But I learned in that experience that the culture of the army wasn't the right fit for me. My whole family was Navy. My dad, my four brothers, my son were all Navy. And we have 108 years of military service amongst us. And so that's where I began my journey and then went into manufacturing with my engineering degree in Procter and Gamble and Scott Paper was got a lot of really good management leadership training. Uh, again, I just wasn't, it didn't feel right to me yet. <clears throat> so I started my first business and I worked for uh, Stephen Covey for the Covey Leadership Center and Ken Blanchard on teaching situational leadership. And uh, my wife uh, told me that I needed to get a real job. So I went back into business and I learned at that point that in, in order to really do something, and I didn't know what this something was yet. I needed to have my own model, my own leadership model, my own leadership approach. So that's when I went back into the business world and then started working on my master's and my doctorate in over a five and a half years period. While I was working, I finished my doctorate. Okay. And, and then started on this journey of developing my own leadership approach. Within sales? Uh, no, it was uh, uh, executive leadership. Okay. A, a lead, sales leadership was just one area that I know something about. But I have, with my engineering and me mechanical engineering background and, and manufacturing, I have operations background and did a lot of things that all fed into the culmination of the seven steps of intentional leadership. How did you decide on seven with this in incredible comprehensive background. <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess we're influenced by those people that come before us. And Stephen mm -hmm. Covey, I uh, taught the seven habits of highly effective people. Right. Really what happened was this. So Tara and I was teaching all these people all of these things, emotional intelligence and meeting management and all these skills. And I'd done some leadership training with this one organization and I started thinking, if I could put this into some kind of a consolidated model. So my web developer, who's a good friend of mine uh, for the last 10 years, I sat down with him and I said, I wanna put this into a model and we started to line it out and I wanted to fix this into like five or seven or eight steps mm -hmm. and seven just seemed to work. And it allowed me to create this model where the first three steps are self-development, Step four is the crossover step between self and team, and then five, six, and seven are team development. So I have this model that helps it again in this journey of leadership development that allows people a model to really assess where their leadership capabilities are. Right. I can explain it in five minutes, the seven steps, the components of each, and then let the arguments begin because every model is flawed. And I love to hear people tell me where the flaws are, because it just makes the model better. So I'm curious, when you set out to write this book, the other books on the market, how, how is your model different? I, I think that what's different about this is when you get into the model, you know, I like uh, Simon Sinek's model when he talks about the, the, the what, the how, and the why, mm -hmm. the, the, the golden circle, he calls it, right? And at the center is the why we're, we're on this earth or the why a company is in business, and people get that, and they know the what, what they're gonna do, but they don't always know how. And what I've found um, is when people are struggling with being good bosses, they're struggling with how. They're struggling with, how do I do this? How do I lead in this situation? And 
what we train, what we teach, what we develop are leaders on the, the how. And it has to be based on the culture that they're in, the situation, the, the personalities. And a lot of leadership books talk about that complexity. We get down to the fundamental parts of what is absolutely required in order to be effective as a leader and a manager. So the seven steps is that foundation. You be, could be considered a coach then, Dr. Gary, no? Yeah, uh, so the, the coaching, uh, I do do coaching with uh, executive leaders and um, we always start with the seven steps. The first step is purpose and under purpose there's three components. And the first component is personal mission. Mm. People say, you know, so I ask leaders when I talk to them, do you have a personal mission statement? And most people will say, no, I don't. I say, well, well, what do you stand for? And people can kind of start to describe that. Right. But, but it's not in writing. And the idea of having it in writing and having a personal mission statement in writing is really a key for a leader. It's a key for all of us. But the reason it's so important for a leader is you can't have a bad day. You can work on things for months and destroy it in a moment with the wrong behavior, the wrong statement, the wrong approach to something. And what, what's my anchor? What, what keeps me focused on who I want to be every single day? It's my mission statement. Right. So that at the end of the day, if I have a really bad day, if everything just seems to go wrong, I've got clients yelling at me, employees yelling at me, I'm missing goals, things aren't happening. But if I can look in the mirror at the end of the day and I can say I lived my mission today, that's a great day. C-Suite Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Would you say that's the biggest challenge or the biggest void you're finding or that you've found in the C-suite that there's been this lack of a mission statement or a purpose, so to speak? A purpose for them, yes. Um, when I was doing this work with, uh, with the Covey Leadership Center in the 90s, about eight to 10% of the people, the population, had personal mission statements of some form. Today it's 1%. Mm. And th to me, that's sad. Right. Uh, people are going around life not knowing what they stand for. And leadership and, and the attraction of followers to leaders is based on their authentic ability to tell people what they stand for. Right. Well, if you're not consistent with that, if it's not clear, then people aren't going to follow you. Right. So if, if you're the boss and you don't know what you stand for, how, how do you relay that? Why would to I your... want to be around you? Exactly. Exactly. So what people do is they survive. Yeah. That creates mediocrity. You get by. You get by. And that's why 67, 68% of the people in our workforce today, based on Gallup, are either just going through the motions and they're disengaged or actively disengaged in the work that they do. Can you give us any real life examples, Dr. Gary, where there's been a lack of leadership or a lack of coaching and then they were introduced to a coach and we really saw an ROI? Well, yeah, so we have this leadership development program, the, the Leader Step 7, which is based on the seven steps of intentional leadership. It's a nine month program. And part of that uh, nine-month program is coaching. So I'll give, you a, I'll give you an example of how coaching can work at multiple levels because we teach coaching as a core skill to our leaders because we want to go in, teach, develop, and get out because the organization has to run itself. Mm -hmm. 
So there were these two branch managers that were working in this uh, company and they were resisting a new service that was being brought out. It was a new service that was higher margins. It was great revenue, but it was new to them. So they kept resisting it and they were relatively inexperienced general managers of these branches. So they're Coaches on my team, which we call Staterians, my company's name is Staterius, so call them Staterians. Our Staterian coaches were working with them and saying, you really need to support this. The vice president of sales was talking to them, you need to support this. And they were uh, kind of focused themselves with each other and supporting each other saying, we're not gonna support this. It right. was kind of this thing. Well, part of the program is also these cohorts, these teams, this team of three, so there's two of these two general managers and a third general manager. And the third general manager, who was a very experienced general manager, sat there in one meeting with them one day, and they're complaining and complaining and complaining, and he's just very patiently waiting and listening. And they've been taught, and here's the coaching question. He said to them, are you finished yet? Right. And they're like, what? He says, you guys just don't get it. Here's the deal. You've got people trying to help you make money. You've got people trying to help you do a better job. You've got people around you that can support you to bring this service out and you won't do it. You need to get your heads out of the sand and get to work on this. And he kind of got in his face. So think about this. You had a vice president that talked to him. their are personal coaches that talked to him. Right. And then their are team coach that talked to them that was part of this whole program. I get a text from the vice president of sales saying, Gary, I don't know what you told these guys, but uh, they've come around. And I'm sitting there reading this text. I'm like, well, I didn't tell him anything. My coaches told him. Right. You weren't team, in the meeting. It was your, your it coach. It wasn't my right. meeting, but it was the process. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't train coaches. We develop coaches. It's a process. And we, we don't train leaders. We develop leaders. It's a process. And if th that one decision by those two general managers to implement that earlier than it would have happened made more money for them then they'll, they'll ever spend on leadership. And you mentioned leader step. Does that go hand in hand with the seven steps of intentional leadership? So what you have is the seven steps of intentional leadership is the foundational model to use to develop leaders. Leader step seven is our nine month leadership process. And when we look at how do we take a raw material, a leader or manager that's never been trained before or has had some training. And quite frankly, we've had people go through our program that had a lot of leadership training. And they've said this is totally different than anything that they've had. Excellent. And the reason is this, is it combines an understanding of culture, application daily, and training with coaching and teamwork development all into one. So leadership seven, you, you first select the people in the organization. You assess them to understand what the base is. We then do coaching and mentoring with them. We do teamwork development with them, train them. Wow. And then we have what we call job work, which is homework on the job. And it's kind of the holy grail of what we do with our teams to get them to apply this training, this development. The hardest part about anybody coming from the outside or even inside to develop leadership mm -hmm is how to get them to apply it. Right, execute. How do you execute? We know how to do that. And we've demonstrated it with hundreds of people in multiple companies over the last five years that have created absolutely remarkable results. An example, uh, quite a few companies are in the construction world in, in the North Carolina and South Florida area. And these, these companies can't find people. 
unemployment's like less than 4%. Mm. So you have to keep the people you've got. Right. People will leave for an extra $10,000 a year. Right. In these companies that we've developed, their retention is over 97%. Wow, what a track record, Dr. Gary. Final thought, I'm curious, what about the CEO who says, I don't need a coach. I have a whole C-suite of people helping me and our business is doing well. What would you say to that? Good luck. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I'm not, fair point. <laughs> uh, uh, so here's one of the things when I interview CEOs that's very, very important is, um, actually Jim Collins talked about it in his book, Good to Great. And that's where I get the idea of making good bosses into great leaders with compassion and accountability. There's one value that I look for in a CEO if I'm gonna work with them, humility. If they don't have a little bit of modesty and humility, if they sit there and go, we've got this, I'm good. Mm-hmm. said, I'm working with a, with a company right now that has had the best year they've ever had. And the CEO is talking to them about, we need to make sure that we continue to challenge ourselves to get better and better and better. Because just about the time you think you're good yeah. is when things go down. Yeah. And what I learned at Procter & Gamble back in the 80s when I was working at there is the one thing that they did that I learned in that organization is they were always, always developing skills of management leadership in their people. Right, for sustainability. For sustainability. Because there's disruption every uh, every day of the week. And so. let's take a look at that company today. Right. If you don't believe me, just look at where their stock is and where their growth is and what they're doing. Very, very successful long-term company because they're always developing their people. Right. And that's the biggest mistake I think a lot of people get into is right. they either don't believe you can build leaders or make mm-hmm. leaders they don't know how, mm-hmm. and I, that's why when we talk about how, I say, well, let me ask you a few questions. Um, the step seven on execution is, is one of the things is meeting cadence. Do you have daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual meetings? There are different purposes for those. What are the purposes? Are you doing this? So I can go in an organization and ask 10 questions and get a pretty good idea in an hour how they're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. And it all comes down to complacency. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Gary, it's been terrific. Uh, we could go on and on and on. Yes, it's, we could. It's a, very, it's a fascinating topic. Um, congratulations um, on, on the journey and the leader step. And we look forward to more. Thanks. I, I think my journey is just starting. Act right. We hope so. Thank you. If you'd like more information on the journey and the book, please check out our website, csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.